This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. know that when God chastens us, our Heavenly Father, it's always perfect. It's always right. We can never say, oh, it's not fair, Lord. You know, you know, it's one thing I never say to God. I never say, I always say, God, no matter what I'm going, you're always right. You're always in control. And that is it. If there's anything wrong, it's not with the Lord, it's with me. The word discipline can often carry a negative connotation with it. Maybe we've had a bad experience with correction or discipline in the past. It could have come from a parent, coach, or boss. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be talking about the perfect discipline of God. Sometimes it may hurt, but it will always be perfect for what we need. God promises to correct those who He loves, so His correction is a sign of His love for us. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. As he continues his message, God's discipline proves his love. He tells us to avoid two things. Look at verse 5 again. He said, do not despise. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. Now, this word despise, you may think is the word that you would normally use, but is oligolio. And here, it's only mentioned here. Nowhere else in the New Testament. It's only mentioned here. And it means to care little for, to esteem lightly. So what he's saying, do not despise. What he's saying is do not take the discipline, the chasing of the Lord lightly. Take it seriously. Okay? Now, sometimes we only take seriously if it's painful. But sometimes it may not be as as painful, okay? It may be a simple rebuke rather than a scourging. It's a simple rebuke. But he's saying here, the first thing you want to do is do not despise. Do not take it lightly. Why? Because it's important when God chastens you, when he rebukes you, when he corrects you. The simple reason so that you will not drift away. You will not fall away. And if you continue in, in that way and God doesn't chasten you and you take it lightly, what's going to happen is going to lead to destruction. Because what happens with sin? You just think, oh, it's just a little sin. It's not a big deal. Just a little sin. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. That's all it is. You know, you just hang on God's grace. No, but sin separates us from God. Now, you're born again. You're a believer in Christ. You have a relationship. But when you continue to sin, we've all been there, right? Many of us who've been in, in the Lord for some time, you know, there's been times where, you know, I just haven't been really praying. I haven't spent time in devotion. I haven't spent time in the Word. I haven't been st- spent time in the fellowship. What happens? You drift away. You drift away. And it could be dangerous. Because what happened with one sin, what happens, it just kind of multiplies, Right? It spreads out. It becomes contagious. First Corinthians. Now, we know in the Bible that leaven is used as an illustration. is like sin. You find it throughout Scripture. That's what Paul tells us when he wrote his letter to the church of Corinth. In First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, he writes this. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? 
Yeah, for some of you who are bakers, I'm not much of a baker. I just like to eat it. But you're a baker. You don't put too much leaven. What happens? You know, it blows up. And Jesus told the children of Israel, don't put leaven. Just bake it just like that. Okay? And it just blows up. It blows up. And it's all fluff, right? So the first thing we're to avoid is to not despise the chasing of the Lord. The second thing we must avoid is from being discouraged. Look what it says again at the end of verse 5. It says, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. And so don't be discouraged. Don't give up. If the Lord is chasing you, you know that what you're going through in life could be or might be, you know, sometimes it's not from the Lord, but the Lord may use that for you to learn and grow. You remember Joseph when his brothers thought that after Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, later on, you know, they felt that because their father Jacob had passed away, they said, okay, now Joseph's going to retaliate. Yeah, he was nice to us now because the old man was here and does he really forgive us? Is he going to kill us? Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, right? But, you know, when you do get chastened by the Lord and the Lord uses that, we don't know, only you would know. Don't be discouraged when he rebukes you or to correct you. Don't be discouraged. Why? Well, let's look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's why. He loves you. Okay, Uh, this is not to say that God hates those he don't discipline, right? Because you probably say, wait a minute. Okay, so if he chases me, that means he loves me. Those he do not chasten, that means uh, he hates them. No, he only chases his own children. I don't think we can discipline other people's children. Not today, right? But we don't discipline. You discipline your own child, right? You respond for your own child. But he's not saying he doesn't love those who are not his children, Because that's against scripture. We know theologically it doesn't fit with who Christ is. God loves all, right? John 3, 16. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? That was the scripture. We know that. So love the world, everyone. Not just a select few, right? All people. And then we know this because in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he said, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so before you became a child of God, he loved you. So that is not saying that, okay, God only loves the ones he chastens, but there are other people he does not love. What is this saying is very simple, and I want you to remember this. Because this is the whole key of this. This is the other side of looking at this chastening. For God disciplined to us, when he disciplines us, it proves his love for us. Very simple. He chases you, it's just to prove that he loves you. He loves you so much, he refuses to leave you the way you are. When you sin and you blow it, he loves you so much, he refuses you to continue in that sin. He loves you so much that his eyes are always on you. He loves you so much that he cares for you. He loves you so much that he, he trains us, uh, he teaches us, he instructs us. That is the point here. So it's not saying that there is some that God hates and there's some that God loves. God loves all. He died for all. He didn't die for a select a few, right? He died for all. And when you come to Christ, you become a son and daughter of Christ. What happens? He chastens you, and that's just to say, that's because I love you, right? You share with your kid. I punish you because I love you, right? Now, it's not like your kid doesn't know, your child doesn't know you don't love them as a parent, but you need to bring that emphasis, right? Why is it that when we discipline kids, I love you? 
Because I love you. We did something because I love you. Well, of course, I gave birth to you. know, I'm your father. I'm your mother, whatever. Not me. I'm not a mother. I'm a father. But, you know, you, know, you just want to bring that to let them know, hey, it's because we love you. That's what it's all about. So it's God's discipline and God's chastening in your life is to prove that he loves you. So do not despise. Don't take it lightly. Nor be discouraged. Let's look at verse 7. He said, for if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. You endure chastening, you deal with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? I want to read that again. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, you know, the Bible is applicable for us from beginning to end. He's writing in a time where there is no such thing as an undisciplined child. He's coming from a culture, right? Almost 2,000 years ago, there was no such thing as an undisciplined child. Children were disciplined. Not only were they disciplined by their parents, they were disciplined by their teachers, their instructors. They were disciplined by sometimes neighbors, uncles, aunts. Oy vey. You know, it's like everybody's laid their hands on a real troubled child. Today, sadly, is not common. In those days, it was common that fathers would rightly discipline their children. We live in a time where parents are not disciplining their children or they don't know how to discipline their child. And sadly, there are some that abuse their children and they call it discipline or whatever and they've gone too far. And it's sad, but we need to know how to discipline the child. Here's the sad thing, and we see that the chain reaction as we move on in generations and generations before us. Generations and generations before us, they did it right. Judy and I, whenever we sit down and watch TV, you know what I watch? Father Knows Best. I love that show. I just love the title. No lie. It's free because nobody wants to pay for it. Not today. I love those shows. I kid you not. And you know what? Every time we watch a show, it never fails. Every episode, it said kids today can learn something. Oh, not today anymore. And we just turn it off. We just watch one episode. You know, and it's the truth. Leave it to Beaver. You know, there was no problem with this. See, but generations have passed. You know, generations that come alongside, they think they know better. Really? Look at the mess we're in right now. You know, I understand we always get to a point. I don't want to get too far off this. I understand we get to a point where we say, well, when you were young, how strict were things when you were young? And you go on, oh, well, things wasn't like, you know, they looked at, you know, in the 50s, they look at a hoodlum with a leather jacket, you know. And so, yeah, we understand. There was about, but where does it stop? And we use that excuse every generation. Oh, when you were a kid, how your parents were with you. Oh, when you were a kid, how were your teachers in that generation before you treated you? There has to be a deadline. Because we're going up where, again, we see it now. Today we see the evidence where evil is good. Children have more rights than parents do. That is not, no exaggeration. Where the school can take your child and if your child feels that he or she is in another gender, they'll take it without your child. And they will have that child, even if the child is pregnant, they don't have to tell the parent. They'll have that child get an abortion. The irony of, of it all, it's so evil, so culty, so demonic, because they can't even give your child, when your child's a headache, they can't give him an aspirin. 
But they could take him to a hospital to get an abortion, to, to commit murder. You see, this is how far we've got. And all of these, these generations are now running our schools. They are now running the nation. They're uh, leaders in the community. But let me tell you something, saints. Stick to your Bible. Stick to your Bible. Be obedient to the Lord. Don't let that escape from your family. If you really love your children and you really love your grandchildren and you want them to be raised up in a godly home, follow the Bible yourself. You need to follow the Bible because quite often it's too late once they leave the house. And then we start saying, well, my sons and my daughters, they don't love the Lord. Well, when you raise them up, what was important in your life? Sports? Everything else worked around church? If church meant nothing to you when they were growing up, what makes you think it's going it's to mean anything to your grandchildren? The cycle needs to stop. But sadly, I think, you know, Christ is coming soon. That's the answer. But if you want to raise up godly children, we need to learn how to discipline. They, must, they have to learn right from wrong. They have to learn that there are consequences for their actions. If they do something wrong, they're not chasing what's going to happen. They're going to learn the hard way. They're going to learn the hard way. And so we must discipline. And it's not out of anger. And when we discipline the children, it must be out of love and in love. And that's the way we are to discipline. Let's look at verse 8. But if you are without chastening, or of which all have become partakers, then you are, are illegitimate and not sons. So, in other words, it's saying that God chastens those. That's it. He doesn't chasten them. Obviously, they're not a believers in Christ. Not because they're Christian by, oh, I'm a Christian by title. Oh, my family was Christian, you know. No, we're talking about real Christian who surrendered their life to Christ, repented of their sins, and accepted Jesus, Lord, a person, say, born again. We're talking about that Christian, okay? We're not talking about by name. Oh, I'm a Christian because that's where I go to church, you know, my parents are Christian. Well, because your parents are Christian doesn't mean because you were born in a Christian home, right? That you're Christian, it's just like, you know, because if you were born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car, Right? You need to accept Christ as Lord of person. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. He said, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Not today. It's, not, it's hard to say, but in general. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they indeed... For a few days chasten us. Speaking of the earthly father, for a few days they chastened us as seemed best. Okay, so we got here two things we need to look at. Few days and what was best seemed to them. The few days is speaking of the time when you when a child is raised where you have no responsibility for them anymore. They have passed the age where they are now to manhood, womanhood. So that's what it means a few days. You only have them for a season time. Children given to us for a season time. And we must understand that. They're not going to live with us forever, right? They have to go and live their own life, right? So there's no more discipline, right? That's a few days, okay? And then he goes on to say, after a few days, he goes on to say, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. You know, is it always best? We don't know. Parents don't sometimes don't know how to properly discipline their children, Okay, but we know, we know that when God chastens us, our Heavenly Father, it's always perfect. It's always right. We can never say, oh, it's not fair, Lord. You know, you know, it's one thing I never say to God. I never say, I always say, God, no matter what I'm going, you're always right. You're always in control. And that is it. 
if there's anything wrong, it's not with the Lord, it's with me. And I think we need to be careful. Lord, why me? Why not you? Why are you so special? You're a golden child? No. You know, God shows partiality to no one. But instead, blaming God for what you're going through, ask, Lord, Lord, forgive me. It's not your fault. Just show me. If I'm doing anything wrong, show me. Because you're always right. You're always perfect. You're always on time. And we need to be obedient to that. But God is always perfect when he disciplines us. But look at the end of verse 10. Look what it says. But, but, he, speaking of the Lord, you know, when he disciplines us, it is for our profit that we may be partakers of holiness. This is the reason why he chastens us as children of God. You know, because it is for us, so we would profit from it. That, you know, we become holy. We take on his holiness. God's discipline is always perfect. He's always right. He does it with love. He does it with mercy. He does it with grace. And he never does it out of impulse. He never disciplines you out of impulse. And as a police officer, I went to home where, you know, sadly, there are some parents that abuse their children. Okay? Without cause. Without reason. They just get angry. They have issues. There's a lot of kids that are suffering in homes, even in our country. But we're talking to here... Not the Lord. The Lord is faithful. He doesn't treat you like a stepson or a stepdaughter. That's not biblical. Okay? That's not biblical. There's no such thing as a stepson, a daughter of God. We're all sons and daughters of God. The objective is that, that we may become partakers of his holiness. Because everything we go through, every trials, tribulation, God is fashioning us into his holy people to set us apart for his good purpose. That's what it's all about. We may just rear off and, and just drift off, but God is the one bringing us back. Sometimes he has to chasten us. At the Good Shepherd, you ever see the image of Jesus holding a, he holds a sheep over his shoulder? And, and that's the image because that's what a shepherd does to a sheep that continue going astray. You see, with a sheep, when the sheep goes astray, he keeps going astray. The shepherd's got to say, okay, this little one's going to get caught by a wolf. This one keeps running off on its own. Well, you know what they do is they actually detach the leg from the socket. They'll take that sheep that's a troll. They detach the leg. Sometimes they break it, right? That's discipline. That's chastening. Thy rod and that staff, they comfort me. The staff is to protect me. The rod is to correct me. That's the psalm. But here's the thing. Something happens when Jesus Christ is holding the sheep around his shoulder. Or the shepherd would hold the sheep around while the leg is healing. Something else is healing. It's not only the physical leg that's healing, but it's the, the relationship. It is that point where the sheep is now have a relationship with the shepherd, never wants to depart. Once it's healed, he puts now the sheep. Sheep will never leave. So when you see an image of Jesus with a, it's not Jesus, by the way, so don't pray to it. But an image of a shepherd holding the sheep around his shoulder. It's not saying, oh, I got to, you know, I just want to carry this one, you know. Like, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to carry this one. All the 500 ones can just go on their feet. No, it's because that's the sheep that has gone astray. The leg is healing. The relationship is kind. It's painful. But what happens? The relationship draws us near to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. His staff and his rod comforts me. The staff, they know how to use that shepherd's crook. They, they use it like a, like a spear. If the wolf would come, they, they learn how to hit the spear. The, you know, that shepherd crook, not only to grab the sheep, but also to protect the sheep. But the rod 
It's what brings correction. Some of those lambs, you know, they're not, you know, really cute all the time, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you see, I see, I should have kept it. But anyway, I had it. Somebody put it on Facebook. This shepherd is just bringing all these sheep coming, and one just ran behind him, boom, knocked them off. I said, wow, you know? That's a bad. They do that. They have personality. But anyhow, God loves us, and it's for our profit that we may draw near to him, draw closer to him. So when you're chasing, don't despise it, and don't be discouraged. Look at verse 7. We're running out of time. We got another hour, so we keep on going. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Oh, really? Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peace. Here it is. This is what it is. It yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When you're disciplined by God, this is what it does. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. You, this is what you produce. Why? Well, the Lord chastened me. Now you become fruitful. Not only for yourself, but those around you. Once trained. So now, this is the chastening. We looked at a verse 5.11, verses 5.11. Now, we're going to see, after all this, we're going to need to renew our spiritual lives in verses 12 to 17. Look at verse 12. It says, therefore, strengthening the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, verse 13, and make straight path your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And so, we're to endure this. We're to endure as we continue on, now we're physically put up the posture. You've been disciplined. Okay, get up on your, that's it. Move on. Now this, you know, keep it in context. It might refer to the running of race, right? Or your daily walk with the Lord. But get back up. Get back up. Become strong. Look at verse 14. He said, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Now, I want to give you an illustration with this because then it seem like, okay, out of nowhere, we're not going to now uh, pursue peace with all people. i give you the best illustration. You know, my brother, there's four of us, four boys. My mother needed a lot of prayer. Four boys. And whenever one of us would get disciplined, you know, after mom or dad walked out of the room, we get so angry. And guess what? We start fighting with our brothers. You ever seen that? I'm the only one. Sometimes we make fun of them. You got, you got beat up. Ah, mom gave you a whipping. You know, we start, you know, we start bobbing. But sometimes we get upset. I've seen it with other kids. I see their mother discipline their child. And then when the mother leaves, they get mad. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Now they're angry at everybody. And the same thing could happen. Again, God would discipline you. He chases you because he loves you. Don't despise. Okay? Don't despise it. Don't be discouraged. But here, if you know you're in that place where, okay, this is painful. Don't take it out of people around you. That's what it's saying here, right? In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul tells us, if it's possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all people. As much depends on you. And it's saying, find out who's wrong or right. As much depends on you. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. So we're to pursue peace and holiness without which no one can see the Lord. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race.